What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Sunday to you. It's time to recap this Buffalo Bills draft class, specifically referring to the day three selections. Brandon Bean, the general manager, picked five players on Saturday in rounds four through seven. Didn't trade. Not one trade from Brandon Bean in this entire draft. Something that I think took us all for surprise after the aggressive tendencies he's shown in previous years as well as just in trades in general. He's willing to pull the trigger. And uh, Brandon Bean did not do that in the 2020 NFL Draft. So the Bills' picks that they had going into the event wound up being the exact spots they picked in. So just like we talked about A.J. Epinesa and Zach Moss on Saturday's podcast, let's do the same for the uh, the new slate of Buffalo Bills that were added to the mix on Saturday in rounds four through seven. First up, Gabriel Davis, round four pick 128, a wide receiver from UCF, that's Central Florida. I had him rated number 126 on my board, and he, he carried a fourth-round grade. 21 years old, he turns 22 next April. He's from Samford, Florida, a three-star recruit that chose UCF over Florida Atlantic and South Florida, among others. He declared early for the 2020 NFL Draft. He had a year of eligibility left for UCF, but he elected to forego that, declare for the NFL Draft, and he skipped the bowl game. So if you are somebody who cares a lot about prospects skipping bowl games, you should know that Gabriel Davis did that. And um, the Bills still picked him. So if, if you think something there for you to chew on in terms of if you think that players skipping a bowl game precludes the Buffalo Bills from drafting them, well, Gabriel Davis did it, and he was the Bills' fourth-round pick this year. In terms of injuries, there are no injuries on his resume, so a very clean slate of health entering the NFL. He, uh, a three-year starter at UCF, you know, started 37 games across you know three seasons, 2017, 2018, and 2019. Obviously, his big year came in 2019, 72 receptions, 1,241 yards, 12 touchdowns. That's an average of 17 0.2 yards per reception, uh, and that was done in 12 games. So a monster season of production for UCF this past year. Uh, had a solid year in 2018 in 13 games, 53 receptions for 815 yards and seven touchdowns. For his career, 152 receptions, 2,447 yards, 23 touchdowns, average 16.1 yards per reception. At the NFL Scouting Combine, he checked in at six foot two, 216 pounds, 32 and a quarter inch arms, nine and a quarter inch hands. So, you know, good size on this young man. A wingspan of 77 and a half inches. So, a Bills receiver now above 6'2, above 215 pounds. Ran 454 in the 40 yard dash, 155 in the 10 yard, 35 inch vertical jump, 10 foot four broad jump, 4.59 short shuttle. Three cone of 708 and 14 bench press reps. The 40, the vert, the bench, those are okay numbers. The broad jump is actually very good at 10-4, but then that three cone and short shuttle, those are terrible times. So uh, a guy that, as we talk about his skill set here in a minute, it's very, it very much lines up with the athletic profile that uh, he, he, was, he put on display at the Combine. Uh, last year, just some advanced statistics here, five drops last year, a drop rate of 5.9%. That's pretty good. 
Uh, he won 36.7% of the contested catches that he had an opportunity to, to make a play on. So, you know, these guys say, call them 50-50 balls. Well, for Gabriel Davis in college, they were, uh, I'm not good at math, but 37 uh, 63 balls in, in his favor for, for 37%, 36.7%. Uh, he averaged 4.6 yards after the catch per reception, which is not a very good number. In college, you'd like to see that number much, much higher. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's not his game. Yards after catch, not not, not something he does very well. Um, one thing he does very well is win vertically. And some numbers here that back that up. Uh, when he was targeted 20 yards or more down the field, Last year for Central Florida, the, the quarterbacks had a passer rating of 126.3. In the 10 to 20 yard range, 119.4. And then the 84, uh, excuse me, the 0 to 9 yard range, 84.3. So some good numbers here that, as I tell you about my scouting report for Davis, I think will really match up in a lot of ways. And again, as I read these summaries from my scouting reports, understand that this is done before. I knew this player was a Buffalo Bill. At some point over the last four months, I did a deep dive into Gabriel Davis' film and wrote up his scouting report, and this was the the summary that I came up with. And, and so this will give you some, uh, some high-level uh, insight into the way I perceive his skill set. Uh, UCF wide receiver Gabriel Davis found exciting production in college by running go routes, showcasing his smooth acceleration, ball-tracking skills, and hands. His ability to run double moves and create vertical separation will be an asset in the NFL. With that said, his projection elsewhere is underwhelming. As it stands, his ability to execute a complete route tree is limited, and he offers very little post-catch upside. Davis is likely a wide receiver for at the next level that does provide vertical receiving upside, which is of value. That said, increasing his value by excelling on special teams will be important. So, you know, I think you watch Gabe Davis play ball at UCF and you say, this is a really good vertical receiver. Not because he's a burner, but because he does a good job selling vertical routes. And uh, when, you, when, you, when you're able to do that, and then you have good hands and ball skills and body control, you have the ability to go make plays in the ball down the field, which is what he does well. Uh, he didn't run a lot of routes, particularly on the horizontal plane, but, you know, vertical cuts, think, you know, skinny posts, double moves, goal balls. He's good at those routes. You're not going to ask him to, you know, stack a cornerback quickly and, and create some instant leverage and, and uncover. That's not something he's proven the ability to do. But if you're looking for a, a vertical threat with some size, well, then Gabriel Davis is absolutely that type of player. And I think uh, that's the type of player the Bills can use, right? I mean, we want to see the vertical passing game be more consistent in the Bills' offense, and part of that's going to come on Josh Allen to be more consistent with his ball placement down the field, but um, obviously it, it takes two, and so you want to you want to have guys that are good at catching the football down the field, and in Gabriel Davis, the Bills have a player that can do that. So get some size here. You get some, uh, some vertical receiving ability, a guy that profiles well as a wide receiver for, um, and uh, hopefully he can play some special teams and really – um, you know, increase his value to the football team because you know he's not going to win in the same ways that John Brown and, and uh, Stefan Diggs will win, and that's okay. You you don't want all of the same player, uh, but you know for what he is, he's probably going to be a role player, which is okay. We're talking about the fourth round, uh, which is which is where you take players that really thrive in a certain niche, and I think you get that from Gabe Davis in terms of vertical ability. You know, if if you can really take advantage of some of the spacing, I think the Bills will be able to. 
uh, challenge defenses with. Uh, you've got some really dynamic route runners. You've got a tight end in Dawson Knox. You've got a running back in Devin Singletary that's potent catching the football. You should get those chances for Gabe Davis to be isolated one-on-one and sell those vertical routes. Now, the, the challenge is, right, he's going to have to do more. Because you can't just go in and run vertical routes because it's predictable. You know Gabe Davis comes in the field. He's going to want to go deep, and and that's why he's on the field. Well, in order for that to work, he's going to have to snap one off and give the the corners and the secondary a, a reason to respect him, uh, you know, not on a deep route. So, you know, he's going to have to become a more complete route runner, which, um, you know, it's one of those deals where it's not necessarily that he can't run all the routes. It's just that he wasn't really asked to. You know, what he did at UCF was very successful. They scored a lot of points, and he had a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. Well, now for him to be a more complete player, to have a, a bigger role in the NFL, it's going to require him to showcase a, a more diverse route tree and be able to win in more ways than just getting down the field. So I like this pick as a, as a wide receiver for a new skill set, a guy that's going to help make big plays down the field, which this offense needs. Um, but, you know, it's not like I think this is the future wide receiver, too, of the football team. Obviously, I want to see him excel in special teams. That way, he'll get a chance to uh, to run down the field and make some make some catches for Josh Allen in an area that we know uh, this offense needs to get better. Uh, in the fifth round, pick 167 overall, the Bills picked quarterback Jake Fromm from Georgia. Somewhat of a surprise here. Uh, I was concerned about the backup quarterback situation, and um, the, the bills went out and got, uh, Jake Fromm. I'm not sure if that's an upgrade to Matt Barkley, but let's talk about it. He was the number 113 player on my board. He carried a, uh, fourth round grade for me. Um, he's 21 years old. He turns 22 in July. He's from Warner Robins, Georgia, four-star recruit out of high school. He grew up a Georgia fan. He was originally committed to Georgia. But then he flipped to Alabama once Mike Bobo left, who was the offensive coordinator at Georgia, Georgia, to become the head coach at Colorado State. At that point, he then flipped to Alabama. But then he flipped back to Georgia when Kirby Smart, the defensive coordinator at Alabama, became the head coach at Georgia. So kind of bounced around uh, between Georgia and Alabama, but finally settled on Georgia, where he came into the into the building and took the job from two five-star recruits, right? Uh, they had Jacob Eason, who was a five-star quarterback. He took his job, and then they brought in Justin Fields. And, uh, you know, Justin Fields transfers to Ohio State because he knows that Jake Fromm's the guy in Georgia. So two five-star recruits, two big-time talents. You know, Jake Fromm kept those guys on the bench and actually led to them transferring out. Um, so a couple other details on Fromm is – he was a big-time baseball player coming out. I think it's been kind of labeled that baseball was his first love. And uh, he was a star of the 2011 Little League World Series. So very good baseball player coming up. And uh, he also loves to hunt and fish. I think it's been said that one of his goals in life is to have like an outdoor store or something like that. So loves the outdoors. Uh, no injury concerns with Jake Fromm. This is a guy who was a, a three-year starter at Georgia with no notable injuries, none at all. I think he started you know, 42 games in a row or something like that. Um, let's talk about his size profile and his athletic profile. Six, almost 6'2", 219 pounds, 8 and 7 eighth inch hands. So he's below the 9-inch hand threshold that 
uh, teams prefer. So if you if you think Brandon Bean requires quarterbacks to have nine inch hands or bigger, um, that's not the case because he drafted Jake Fromm and he has eight and seventh seven eighth inch hands and not nine. Uh, so he ran a 501 40 yard dash, 30 inch vertical, nine foot three broad jump, four five one short shuttle, and a seven two seven three cone. Uh, that just means he's not athletic. So he's he's not a guy that is a dual threat guy. He's not going to create plays with his legs. He's not going to scramble. He's not going to extend plays. He's, he's just not an athlete. And that's kind of the theme with all the, the players the Bills added. There's not a whole lot of great athletes in this mix in terms of, uh, you know, relative to their peers. Uh, I know obviously they're NFL players, so they're good athletes. But, you know, within the context of, of – uh, other quarterbacks or receivers or cornerbacks. There's not a whole lot of athleticism that's been added to the football team. Uh, so he had a great career at Georgia. Um, you know, won a lot of football games, uh, led them to three consecutive SEC championship games. Um, you know, his uh, career completion percentage, 63.2, 78 touchdowns, 18 interceptions. Um, he passed for, you know, 2,600 yards, 2,700 yards, 2,800 yards in 2017, 2018, and 2019 in an offense that was really run heavy. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just a very cerebral type quarterback. Um, let me let me read you my, uh, my scouting report here, the summary of my scouting report, because I think it does a really good job of encapsulating really my, my thoughts about Jake Fromm as a, as a quarterback prospect for the NFL. It says, thrust into action as a true freshman, Jake Fromm, quarterback Georgia, to three consecutive SEC championship games as the facilitator of the offense. While there was notable growth from 2017 to 2018, Fromm plateaued in 2019 and regressed. The overarching concern with Fromm is that he is he just has too many limitations to project him as a starter in the NFL and warrant a high draft selection. He doesn't offer much in the way of athleticism, and his throwing power is below average, limiting the plays and throws he can execute. From an intangibles and football IQ perspective, Fromm aces the test. All the ingredients are present for for Fromm to enjoy a lengthy career as a backup and spot starter, but there just isn't much optimism that he will ever be the guy. So Fromm, I mean, if you're looking for a Colt McCoy or a Case Keenum, type quarterback, which teams are. Those guys have had lengthy careers and made a good amount of money. If you're looking for a Chase Daniel, those types of guys, here you go. Jake Fromm's that guy. I don't ever foresee a moment in Jake Fromm's career where he's going to be a team's preferred starting quarterback. Smart guy, great intangibles, um, just limited, right? His arm strength is limited. His mobility is limited, and that – creates limitations on your offense. Think Matt Barkley. If he wants to be Matt Barkley, well, guess what? That's exactly what his physical skill set and game tape reveals. So Fromm profiles as a backup. And what's interesting is you listen to Brandon Bean talk about him on Saturday night, and it felt like he was sort of like reluctant in a way. He's like, yeah, we, we didn't think Jake Fromm would be there, but you know, kind of a, a situation where we felt like he was worth the pick. And he said, look, he's going to have to earn it. And really kind of said it, he really kind of endorsed Matt Barkley and said, you know, it's it's tough to see him beating him out. You know, I, it feels like the Bills quarterback room next year is going to be Allen and Barkley. So there's a chance from 
really doesn't make this roster. Are you going to keep three quarterbacks to keep Fromm stashed on the bench because Matt Barkley's a free agent and Fromm can be your backup moving forward? Maybe. But I think that's exactly why Bean made the pick is for that maybe. You've got an expiring contract to Matt Barkley. You have a quarterback that compares to Matt Barkley if that's the type of player you want backing up Josh. That's going to be great in terms of preparation uh, and, and in the meeting room and helping Josh talking through things. He'll be great for that. But you never want him to see the field, right? It's, it seems like it's a similar dynamic. But it's one of those deals where it's like, okay, we feel like at this point it's the fifth round. Let's take a flyer on Fromm. See what he does. See what he does. How does he, how does he look in training camp and preseason? And does he perform at a level that makes us say, yeah, we can't let this guy get out of the building because we're going to let Matt Barkley walk after 2020, and that's going to be our backup quarterback. So that's what they have. They kind of they, they use the fifth-round pick, I think, in my opinion, to find out the answer to that question in a, you know, whatever, however long camp and preseason is going to be this year. It's going to be an evaluation period because if they don't foresee him filling that role, he's not going to make the team. And, and Bean kind of alluded to that in his press conference. So I'm not saying it's a bad pick. Investing in quarterbacks is almost never a bad idea. Fromm, I think, is a high floor as a backup quarterback. Just doesn't have a high ceiling to start. And so that kind of goes back to a debate where do you ever draft a quarterback that you don't think has a chance to be a starter? I have mixed opinions on that. I think I think for different teams it makes sense at, at different points. Um, but, you know, I just can't imagine a scenario where He's better than Matt Barkley, and that, that, that's not a good thing for me to say. At least from Matt Barkley's perspective, you know you have uh, a guy that knows the system that gives you somewhat of a chance, and from you have a similarly limited player in terms of our strength and mobility, but you know a, a long way to go in terms of, of gaining and having the, the level of knowledge that Matt Barkley has. Now, from good thing about him is he played in the SEC, right? So he's battle-tested against great defenses and top competition, ran a pro-style offense at Georgia. You know, so all the, all the mechanics of, you know, reading defenses and throwing with anticipation and working progressions, those are all within Fromm's wheelhouse. He's just limited. We had a lot of success at Georgia. There's no question about it. Um, It'll be very interesting to see how he performs, and you know, given the parameters of this um, very weird offseason with the virus, and you know, probably not having as many chance uh, at gaining live reps. You know, what is his real opportunity to showcase what he can do and force the the regime to keep him around? You know, I don't. Can you keep him on your practice squad? I don't know. I mean, he fell to the fifth round. That doesn't that that says a lot, right? If teams wanted Jake Fromm, they would have drafted him. You know, so one of those deals where maybe you can get away with stashing them on your practice squad. There's been higher drafted quarterbacks that have been stashed on practice squads. It's interesting. Davis Webb obviously is a, another player the Bills had on their practice squad last year. From a physical tools perspective, Davis Webb is way more talented. So it's interesting, right? I mean, if you think that QB3 spot needs some competition, then yeah, Jake Fromm's fine for that. Um, but this really just kind of comes down to, I think, Bean had some good intel on on the type of uh, you know type of worker he was and how he prepared and all those types of things and said, you know what, at this point, given the way our roster is constructed, given the way this board is falling, we think like it's okay to make this pick. 
and see if maybe we have a long-term backup to Josh who they, they absolutely believe in. I, I think one, one, uh, one way you can summarize Jake Fromm's skill side is take Josh Allen, and he's the complete opposite in every way, shape, or form. The Bills in the sixth round drafted a kicker, Tyler Bass from Georgia Southern. I don't have a ranking for him because I don't rank specialists on my draft board. Um, he has a big leg, uh, very, very much known for his uh, touchbacks and his consistency to get touchbacks on kickoffs. Um, didn't get many chances to kick from deep in college, uh, but at the Senior Bowl, people raved about his leg. Uh, obviously, there's a video of him hitting the crossbar on a 58-yard attempt, so he's got a big leg. Uh, one thing that uh, I can gather from kind of looking through, uh, going back and watching some film on his kicks is that he kicks the ball very high. Um, so you get a little bit nervous about that. He's going to have to learn wins and how to deal with them because I think he's just got a natural leg motion and trajectory of the ball that gets the ball up in the air. And that's, that's good. That's a, that's a very good trait if you can control it. Um, so what, you know, what type of accuracy is he going to be able to have, especially when you start bringing in elements. And I think that's going to be the big challenge for anyone coming into Buffalo, but especially for a kicker like, uh, Bass, who gets the ball up in the air. That's the thing about Steven Hauschka is he kicks it low. And that's actually why the Seahawks let him go is because he had a lot of kicks blocked because he had a low trajectory on his ball. And that helps him overcome some wind dynamics, but you know it does lead to more likely blocks um, and maybe some control issues. So, you know, uh, look, I can't tell you a whole lot about uh, kicking mechanics and, and those types of things and his dynamic motion and if he can generate power through his hips and if his if his mechanics are repeatable, all that stuff. I don't I don't know how to answer those questions, but uh, big leg, really good on kickoffs. Um he yeah, he made I think uh look his career percentage uh seventy nine point four percent of his field goals in college. And you'll notice that college kickers they have much lower field goal percentages. There it's harder to make field goals in college because those hashes are way wider. Ninety point five percent of his kicks in twenty eighteen made nineteen to twenty one. So fifteen of nineteen and seventeen in twenty eighteen, nineteen of twenty one, and in twenty nineteen, twenty for twenty eight. So um, competition for Steven Hauschka who's coming off two bad years in a row, right? Sub eighty percent field goal percentage. That's very bad in today's NFL, and so. Uh, the Bills got serious about bringing in some competition here in Tyler Bass and, you know, to be on Sean McDermott and his staff to find ways to uh, create pressure situations and, and find out if they're comfortable with with um, Tyler Bass taking this job from Steven Hauschka. So should be interesting. I hope it works out. I hope Tyler Bass is the kicker for the Bills for the next 15 years. I personally don't have a problem with using a pick on a kicker. You know, we're talking about a sixth round or a fifth. Is it a fifth round? Yeah, pick 188 or is a six round pick, excuse me. Uh, That's fine with me. I don't have a problem with it, especially with the bills and where their needs are at. You get a chance to get your long-term answer at kicker. That's well worth 188. Obviously I'm more concerned about punter, but it sounds like Brandon Bean from his press conference believes that Kari Vedvik is the competition for Corey Bohorkas. So this is your competition for Steven Hauschka, Tyler Bass, a kicker from, uh, from Georgia Southern. All right, let's get back to the football players here. Uh, Round six, pick 207. The Bills picked wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins from Oregon State. Number 153 player on my board. He carried a fifth-round grade. 21 years old. He turns 22 in October. A native of Oakley, California. A four-star recruit coming out of high school. He was originally committed to Washington State, but then flipped to Oregon State. His dad played fullback in the NFL from 1999 to 2006. 
won a Super Bowl with the Rams in 2000, and his younger brother is a junior defensive end at Oregon State. Uh, Injury stuff, very minor. He missed two games in uh, 2018 with a hamstring. So very, very minor injury history there. Nothing to be concerned about. Uh, looking looking at his size and athletic profile, 6'3", almost 6'4", 210 pounds, 33 and an eighth inch arms, 9 and 7 eighth inch hands, wingspan of 80 and a half inches. Ran 4'6", 1 in the 40, 1'5", 10-yard split, 36 and a half inch vertical jump, 10'4", in the broad jump, 4'1", 2 in the short shuttle, 9 bench press reps in the 7'01", 3-cone. His jumps are very good. So is his short shuttle. His 40 is below average at 461. His three cone is okay at 701, and his bench nine reps is pretty poor. Uh, looking at his production, monster season in 2019. Uh, in 12 games, 86 receptions for 1,171 yards, 13 touchdowns, 13.6 yards per reception. In 2018, 59 catches for 876 yards, five touchdowns. That's an average of 14.8 yards per reception. Giving you some advanced statistics here, uh, he plays some in the slot, some out wide, but but mostly out wide, which is interesting because I think he'll have to play more as a big slot in the NFL. He catches everything. Only one drop last year at 86 receptions, one drop, a drop rate of 1.1%. In contested situations, uh, he came away with a win in 59.1%. So above, uh, you know, above 50-50 there when it comes to uh, contested balls. 60-40, I guess, here when it comes to Mr. Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, really good in the intermediate areas of the field. Where he, where he found most of his production was when he was targeted 10 to 19 yards down the field where his quarterback had a, a passer rating of 155.3. So very good in that area of the field. Uh, Average 3.4 yards per reception, or excuse me, 3.4 yards after the catch per reception, which is worse than Gabriel Davis. So not a guy that's going to create any yak for you. Let me get to this, uh, this, uh, summary of my scouting report. I think it'll do a good job setting the tone here for our discussion about him is fit and how we can help the team. I said, Oregon state wide receiver, Isaiah Hodgins offers a wonderful blend of size, body control, catch radius, hands, ball skills, and route running technique. He found a great deal of projection or production last season at Oregon State, and he literally catches everything. With that said, his inability to create post-catch, lack of separation quickness, and ability to beat press coverage are causes for concern at the next level. With improvement, he can command plenty of targets at the next level, but his deficiencies are tough to overcome. Hodgins is likely a wide receiver for that will need to prove himself on special teams. So, uh, you know, really kind of furthering talking about some of those uh, concerns that I have with Hodgins is that, you know, he's very gradual getting off the ball and his technique for beating press coverage is very, very underwhelming. You're not going to find him uh, break a tackle on tape and he's very slow off the ball. He's just very gradual. Um, so when you talk about press coverage, tight press coverage in the NFL, very concerned about his ability to, to beat that. Um, and so, you know, again, kind of like Gabriel Davis to an extent where, you don't envision much happening in the uh, in the way of really hard snapping off of routes, working back to the football, sinking his hips and driving and exploding and creating quick separation. You know, on um, 
uh, in situations where he's got a cornerback stacked and can really exploit and attack blind spots. You know, I just don't know that he's going to be a great separator. Uh, now, if you can get him in situations where that cornerback plays off, you know, he's very good at, at forcing false steps and uh, he's a true route salesman in, in, in the way that he executes, executes his route stems and sets up breaks. But, you know, he needs every bit of that because his separation quickness in general is pretty poor. So uh, kind of a, a possession receiver in the intermediate area of the field. Uh, if you give him chances in contested situations, he's got size, length, ball skills, body controls that uh, show up and, and can win. Uh, but again, can he play outside and get off the ball? I don't know. I, I didn't see much inspiring technique there, but big slot type player. You got, uh, you got a guy that'll always catch uh, anything near him. So you love his hands. So I think he's got a chance to come in and compete with, you know, this, this group of probably Duke Williams, Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins. You know, how many of those guys are going to make the team? Maybe one. Uh, well, one will, I think maybe two. So you got some good competition for that bigger bodied receiver role. You know, you got your top three guys, uh, Diggs, Brown, Beasley. They're making the team. I presume Andre Roberts is a kick returner, makes the team. That's four receivers. You got Gabe Davis, five. And then you've got, uh, you know, you got these guys here, Duke Williams and Isaiah Hodgins. You think about Isaiah McKenzie as well. Probably those guys for one spot, maybe two if they go seven receivers. So, you know, Hodgins is going to have to show a lot of, um, a lot of progress in some of the areas that I noted as concerns. Um, but, you know, look, there, there definitely is ways that he wins and, and ways that he can help the football team. So, again, we're talking about, what, pick 207 in the draft. So, you know, we're not going to sit here and, and really uh, say everything positive about the player because these are guys that that need some, some work in some areas in order for them to have the careers that I'm sure they're hoping for. So being honest with you about these players, what they can do and what they're going to have to overcome uh, to, to really stick at the next level. In the seventh round, the Bills finally got a cornerback. I've been waiting for one. They chose Dane Jackson, cornerback from Pittsburgh, at uh, pick 239. I had him rated number 163 on my board. He carried a fifth-round grade. He's from Coraopolis, Pennsylvania. 23 years old, he turns 24 in November, so he's an older guy. Three-star recruit coming out of high school. The only injury concern on his resume is that he missed uh, most of his senior year in high school due to a torn meniscus in his left knee, but that was in 2014, and there's not been any issues since. Um, Looking at his production, 50 games he's played in, 41 starts, uh, pretty much a three-year starter from 17 through 19. Um, a lot of good ball production, 43 pass breakups for his career, four interceptions, forced four fumbles, nine tackles for loss for his career. So uh, a guy that's physical, he has good ball skills, as you can see by his uh, his production, but you'll notice that I comment on those things in the summary of my scouting report. Looking at his uh, size and athleticism profile, uh, 5'11 and 5 eighths, almost six foot tall, 187 pounds, 30 and 3 eighth inch arms, 8 and 3 quarter inch hands. His wingspan comes in a tick below 75 inches. Ran 4.57 in the 40 yard dash, a 1.610 yard split, 35 inch vertical jump, 10 foot 2 in the broad jump, 4.27 in the short shuttle, 7.07 in the three cone. Uh, his broad jump at 10.2 is, is okay, and then everything else is, is below average. Not extremely poor, but definitely below average. Uh, some advanced statistics for you. Uh, he had a completion percentage against his coverage in 2019 of 47.4. That's pretty good. Uh, he forced an incompletion on 22.8% of his targets 
And then uh, he has some tackling woes. He missed uh, a tackle on 14.3% of his attempts. He's a very aggressive football player. It's not a matter of not being physical or being reluctant tackling. Just sometimes he goes for the big big hit and um, he doesn't wrap up like he should. So it's not a matter of, of being willing. He's just got to get his tackling technique tightened up. So here's my summary of, of Dane Jackson. I said Pittsburgh cornerback Dane Jackson enters the NFL after logging 41 career starts as a three-year starter for the Panthers. When studying his tape, it's easy to fall in love with how aggressive he plays, whether it's driving forward on a route, crowding a receiver, tackling, or competing at the catch point, Jackson competes like an alpha. With that said, his tendency to be over-eager leads to a world of problems, and his modest physical traits don't allow for much air. His best role at the next level is likely to come as a slot corner where he has the ability to be featured in sub-packages. So with Dane, yeah, you just love the aggressiveness. He's physical. You know, he's a dog. He gets after guys. He tacks the football. Uh, he loves to get up in the face of, of wide receivers. Loves to, to be physical in the contact window and at the catch point, tackle, playoff contact, all that stuff. Um, yeah, I think he's good in, in zone coverage. I think he layers coverages quite well. You know, it's just whenever he's wrong, right, if he guesses wrong, if he doesn't read a route stem well, if he misjudges a – a, uh, a route combination. He doesn't have that reactive athleticism to overcome mistakes. So very modest athletic profile. He doesn't have a ton of length either, just kind of average in that regard. So that's why I, I kind of like him as a slot, get him closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, you, you simplify his role a little bit. I think he can process quick enough to get downhill and tackle against the run. But um, you know, if you're going to have him you know, playing as a true outside guy where it's going to put a lot of emphasis on his ability to read route stems and combinations and be where he's supposed to be. Um, you get concerned just because mostly, not that he's a, not a smart football player and he can't do those things, it's just that if he's wrong, he just doesn't have the athletic profile to uh, to recover. And that's, you know, look, that's the case with most of the Bills' secondary. It's just not a whole lot of athleticism. So he'll have to be technically sound, um, which, which is – well within his wheelhouse, but it's that aggressive nature that you love about him that you don't want to coach out of him, but that's also what kind of gets him in trouble because, you know, like he's so aggressive, it's almost to a fault. Uh, the word for him is overeager, and overeager is, is, can be problematic if you, uh, if you don't have the reactive athleticism to overcome. So I like him as a seventh-round pick. I think he, he's got a chance um, to, uh, you know, carve out a role. He's got good ball skills, tackles. That keeps you around. You can play special teams. Uh, cover some kicks. I think he'll do well in that that regard. But uh, you know, is is he in line to to really challenge Taron Johnson and Saran Neal in the slot? You know, I, I I don't know. But those guys deserve competition. I think this is a good type of player to bring in and uh, and challenge those guys. Have a younger player, uh, well, I guess another young player on the roster uh, to uh, to come in and, and and challenge. So I like the pick. Um, you know, you, you, you have to look at it as pick 239. What are the real expectations? Understand that he has a chance, and, and there's definitely some some nice redeeming qualities with with him. And I think that, um, you know, if he can if he can hone in some of that aggressiveness in the right way, he'll have a chance for sure. Okay, that's going to do it. We've talked about all seven of the Bills' draft picks. Uh, the first two, Zach Moss, AJ Epinesa yesterday. The next five on this podcast here today. So, have, have definitely laid the foundation, I hope, in, in terms of creating a good understanding uh, of these players that the Bills have added and um, how they can fit the football team. And, and obviously we'll continue to 
have them as part of our discussions moving forward because they are Buffalo Bills now. The 2020 NFL Draft is over, and um, I'm excited to kind of take some time here in the coming weeks and obviously reflect more on this, but look at some things that we've learned about Brandon Bean now that he's conducted uh, three different drafts and um, some of his tendencies and and obviously just continue to reflect on this offseason, work through this offseason and start uh, preparing for the 2020 season. And, and obviously we got a lot to talk about here on this podcast. So have some creative ideas for you in the coming months that I think we will, uh, we will all enjoy and, um, you know, do some more topical type stuff. So we've, we're going to have podcasts for you, you know, just like we normally do every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So, you know, look, don't, don't, uh, don't turn me off now that the draft's over. We got a lot to talk about. We'll keep the Bills content coming for you. So make sure that you subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. It's been a ton of fun preparing and talking you through the 2020 NFL Draft. And uh, I say that, and I also caution you to let you know we're not done, right? There's a lot more to talk about in terms of what the division has done and uh, further our, furthering our discussion on how these players fit. And obviously, I want to get some other voices in here. I want to get some other draft guys in here to talk about these players so you get more perspective on them than just me. Um, but, uh, you know, that's why you got to subscribe. Don't miss any of it. Look forward to continuing our discussion on the Bills and uh, getting ready for the 2020 season. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back again for you real soon.